following is a continuation in our series looking at the effects of sin on areas of our lives and how Jesus seeks to speak into them. We hope you enjoy. All right, y'all. Let's go ahead and settle in. We're going to get started. All right. Before we get started, I do want to just spend a moment in prayer. I'm sure y'all are aware of what happened in Nashville this week. There was a shooting, and it was at a church in our denomination, so it's very close to home for us. So we want to just pray for those families that lost their children and lost loved ones, husbands, wives, siblings that are affected by this. So let's just pray before we open our time, because this is a big tragedy, but it's a good reminder to us of how much evil there is out there and why we need to lean into our relationship to Jesus. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray for Covenant PCA in Nashville. Lord, we pray for the families that have been affected by this tragic loss and this evil. Lord, I just pray for those that have been impacted by this, that you would use this as a means to draw them closer to you. Use this as a means to draw them to yourself for the first time. Lord, that you would take something so evil and vile and bring about good from it. Lord, we do pray for the pastor of that church who lost his daughter. So tragic. We just pray that you would use that church to surround him and his family with love. We do ask that in the midst of loss that you would bring that family closer together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I know it's kind of a somber way of starting our evening. But we would be remiss if we didn't pray for those families. So, tonight, we're going to talk about work. We're going to look at a theology of work. We're going to look at how the fall has affected our view of work. And then we're going to look at how Jesus speaks into that and shows us how we are to work and shows us what good work practices look like. So, I want to ask this question. You can raise your hand and answer it. If you had to guess how many hours in your lifetime you were going to spend working, how many do you think you would spend? Deja? Millions? No. <laughs> Elliot? Okay. All right. Elliot, what do you think? Well, yes, we're always working in some sense. So Gideon, what do you think? Okay. What do you think? 90,000. Boom. He got it. So, in the average work life of an individual, they will spend 90,000 hours of their lifetime working. It's a long time. In fact, this is about a third of our time. It's a big portion of our time. Andrew Neighbor, who's a graduate of Gettysburg College, he did a study on this, and he calculates that about 90,000 hours will be spent at work in your lifetime. And this is a long time. Again, it takes up a good portion of our time, which means that it's something important, and that also means it needs to have a right perspective. We have to have a right perspective on work, or else a third of our time will be spent in vain. Writer Annie Dillard wrote, and this is in her book, The Writing Life, How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. What we do with this hour and that one is what we are doing. A schedule defends from chaos and whim. It's a net for catching days. It's a scaffolding in which a worker can stand 
and labor with both hands at sections of a time. So our work is important and how we view work is important. The way that we view work is going to change everything for us. It's either going to give you joy in your work or it's going to give you bitterness and frustration and anger in your work. So how do you view your work? I want you to think about this tonight. And I know not all of you have jobs. Maybe some of you do. All of you are students, so you do have work that you have to do as a student. What are the first things that come to mind when you hear the word work? Because of the fall, we need a healthy view of work. If you're taking notes, this is what I want you to see tonight. God gave us work to honor Him. God gave us work to honor Him. So I'm going to invite Luke up to read Genesis 11, 1 to 6. And this is the story of the Tower of Babel. And it gives us one of the first glimpses into human nature about how we view work. So go ahead whenever you're ready, Luke. All right, Genesis 11, verses 1 through 6. It says, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them. Thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with a top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they have all one language. This is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they purpose to do will now be impossible. Good. Uh, but the people after the flood had gone out, and one of the places they settled was here in our passage. And naturally, as people do here on this earth, we saw this before the flood, and we'll see this till the end of time. When people start to settle, they start to get complacent. And when they start to get complacent, they start to think that they've got things on their own. And this is exactly what's happening with these people. They settle in this plain. And pride starts to set in. In verse 2, we see, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. In order to make bricks, you had to bake them in the sun. So they're working hard at this project. And what is this project? They want to build this tower up to the heavens. And why are they building it? Because of their pride. This strange word, bitumen, here, it's essentially the word for tar. There are tar fields in this area, so they would take the tar and they would put it in between the bricks. It was incredibly strong. So they're making this strong fortification, this strong tower, and they build it in the plains of Shinar. This is first mentioned in the chapter before, when in relationship to Nimrod, and he was building his kingdom. And this is probably somewhere in the area of modern-day Iraq, where this tower was originally built. And this is important because Shinar is actually the Hebrew word for Babylon. And Babylon, as we see throughout all of the scriptures, is kind of a metaphor for people pushing away from God. And here, we see the beginnings of that. These people are building this tower in order to separate themselves from God. We don't need God. We can build this tower to the heavens. They set out in verse 4. Look at this. It says, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower. And they don't stop there. They want to build it with the top to the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed throughout the earth. Notice what they said there. Let us make a name for who? ourselves. So their work, their commitment to this work is based on who? A prideful view of themselves. 
and their pride, the work of their hands, is what's going to be glorified, not the Creator. One writer, Dr. John Curd, who was one of my professors in seminary, says this, This statement is hyperbolic. It thus symbolizes the great height of the structure, but perhaps it also reflects that hearts were defiant towards God, and they want complete autonomy for themselves. So yes, this tower is a physical thing, but it's also symbolic of their desire to push away and do things on their own, and to work on their own, and to work for their own glory. This is one of the effects of the fall, is that work becomes a source of idolatry and pride for us. We can idolize our work. We can idolize our jobs. We can idolize our schoolwork. We can idolize whatever it is that we work towards. It can become a huge problem because of the way that our hearts are wired. God created us to work. Again, I've said this multiple times. Work was given before the fall. Work is not a bad thing. It's been affected by the fall. But our work can be prideful if we're not careful. This means we put in unreasonable hours. We put in unreasonable effort into our work, achieving success, fame, and fortune, no matter the cost. And that's a big problem for us. And we have to be careful of that. Now, last week we did talk about rest. Okay, And there's a dichotomy here between rest and work. We work well because we want our rest to be meaningful. Okay, But those that idolize their work, they don't find rest. They're always working. They're always pursuing something. They're pursuing the next thing. And pride can be so difficult for us if we don't keep ourselves in check. So another effect. So go ahead and turn to the Proverbs passage up there. Proverbs 20, verse 4. Another effect that the fall has on our view of work is the complete opposite of that. So there's a big spectrum here. We can either idolize it and overwork ourselves to death, or we can turn into completely lazy, useless people. That's one way that the fall affects our view of work, is we can become lazy. Proverbs 20, verse 4 says this, The slugger does not plow in autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. The sluggard is often described in the Proverbs as someone who is lazy, someone who is unwilling to put in the work. And here, this sluggard has a field. And in this field, it requires taking care of. It requires plowing. It requires watering and and cultivating. And the sluggard looks at this field and he says, Well... I really don't want to do that. I'll just see what happens. What's the problem with that? Nothing is going to happen, right? In fact, it says at harvest time, he ain't going to get anything. There's going to be nothing there. Why? Because they didn't actually work. They didn't put in the work. God doesn't desire for us to look at our work and be lazy with it. He doesn't want us to look at our work and cut corners and find ways to cover up our mistakes and find ways to... You get creative in the way that we describe how much work we do. He wants us to put in good work. God is not against hard work. He's against hard work for the wrong reasons. And here, laziness can creep in if we're not careful. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you've tried to cover up your lack of work on something? Maybe it was your schoolwork. And you give all sorts of excuses to your teachers. We create excuses for why we don't do our work. We create excuses for why we didn't use that time effectively. When really all those excuses are centered around us and our laziness and our inability to put forth the good work. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I debated on whether or not I was going to use this because I don't ever want to disparage anyone's character, but y'all know who... This is? So this is Tom Brady. 
Some may debate that he is the greatest quarterback of all time. He won seven Super Bowls, which is just unheard of. Five-time Super Bowl MVP, 15 Pro Bowls. He holds the records for the most quarterback wins, most career passing attempts, most career passing completions, touchdowns, and passing yards. He has been playing for a very, very long time. And he's had a lot of success. A lot of success. Now, Tom was married to a supermodel named Giselle. They had several children. And a couple years ago, as their relationship started to deteriorate, he retired. Gave up football. Decided, I'm going to go spend and focus my time on my family. What is important? And then he unretired and went back and played football because he wanted to win another Super Bowl. And this really was kind of the last straw for his family. His inability to not look at his work and say, I have to go and I have to do and I have to achieve and I have to do all these things, destroyed his family. Now again, he still has a relationship with his children. And I'm sure occasionally he will see his ex-wife. But that relationship is broken because of this flaw in our view of work. Now, I'm going to move on from him because I don't want to beat up on him too much. But we have that same tendency. We have that same temptation to look at our work and say, I need to go and achieve and achieve and achieve and do and do and do. And if we're not careful, we can end up destroying relationships in our life. We can destroy ourselves. There are a lot of people that work so hard at their jobs that their bodies literally cannot keep up with it. That is why stress and anxiety is so high in our world right now. We just can't seem to put our work down. Now, we do have to create those breaks for ourselves, those healthy patterns of rest, because God doesn't want us to put in 150 hours of work a week. It's just not healthy and it's not sustainable. We can't do that. So, how does Jesus reform our view of work? This is an important question. How does Jesus speak into those tendencies, those pitfalls that we have? Laziness, overworking, combination of the two. Let's read Psalm 127, verses 1 to 5. Ellie's actually going to come up and read that for us. So Psalm 127, 1 to 5. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in vain. Okay, so two principles I want you to take from tonight. Two principles. The first one comes from this psalm. So this is a psalm of ascent. This is a psalm that they would sing as they march towards Jerusalem on their pilgrimage back to Jerusalem. This is something that they would sing amongst themselves to encourage one another, to build one another up. And here, they're talking about the work of God. And that is our first principle, that when we work, we need to focus on what God is doing through our work as opposed to what we are doing in our work. The results of our work, the glory that comes from our work, needs to be placed on God and not on ourselves. This serves as a helpful paradigm for how we are to view work. In verse 1, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Which means, if your work is focused on you, it is a waste of your time. That's what the scriptures are saying. It's a waste of your time. To put in perspective, in what we've been unpacking tonight, if we idolize our work, 
then our work is in vain. Even though we put in all that labor, all those hours, it's wasted. It's in vain. If glorifying God is not at the core of why we are working, then we're going to get lazy. We're going to focus on ourselves. We're going to desire rest that we don't need. We're going to desire to cut corners and do all the stuff that, that comes with laziness. He continues, It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Now, we give everything to our work by rising up early, staying up late working, going to bed late, not getting enough rest, waking up, doing it all over again. He says that's vanity. It's in vain. It's not done to glorify God. It's done for selfish reasons. So trying to climb the corporate ladder, trying to get ahead of everybody in your class, trying to outwork everybody because you're bringing glory to yourself, that is not a good use of your time. Remember what God told Adam at the fall. This is from Genesis 3:17. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. This bread of anxious toil that is described here, it's working with fallen principles. It's working with us as the core. It's working with us as the ones receiving glory. The bread of anxious toil is the emptiness that we will feel when we pour so many hours into our work and destroy the relationships around us. And we destroy ourselves in the process. One writer, Eugene Peterson, says, Psalm 127 insists on a perspective in which our effort is at the periphery and God's work is at the center. So as we work, God really wants us to look at our work as a means to glorify Him. If it's anything other than that, then we need to refocus those efforts. We need to refocus those desires and those longings because so easily can it turn towards us and our glory. A second principle, Colossians 3.17. Go ahead and turn there. I'll read it for us tonight. Colossians 3.17 tells us this. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Paul gives us, again, another principle that helps us in our work. This principle combats laziness because if we look at everything as a means to glorify God and our work as a means to glorify God, if we're being lazy and not working, are we bringing glory to God? No. This helps keep everything in perspective. Whatever we are doing, whether it's working as a lawyer or working in a fast food restaurant or doing your schoolwork, all of it is meant to do what? Meant to bring glory to our Creator. So if we look at it that way, it's actually super helpful because whatever I'm doing, I can say, how can I glorify God through this simple act of turning in this paper or working this six-hour shift or whatever it is, fill in the blank. We turn everything into a means of glorifying God and that actually gives us something to work for. That actually gives us something to live for. When we're doing that good work, we won't have to make excuses for everything. We won't have to cut those corners. We won't have to make it appear as if we're working hard because we are working hard for God's glory. This could help us combat idolatry and laziness at the same time. So as we conclude this evening, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about your own attitude towards work. Think about it personally. What is your own attitude towards work, whether it's an actual job or whether it's the schoolwork that you have, which, as I say just about every week, you all have too much of. 
My heart breaks for that. Think about your attitude towards those things. Because the way that you view those things is going to affect the way that you view all of the work in your life. How do you approach it? Are you a workaholic? Or do you dread it and pretend like it doesn't exist? Or just try to do the bare minimum? Because of the fall, we run the risk of falling into these pitfalls. These effects. Work was given to Adam as this amazing thing that God gifts to Adam to say, this is a way that you can glorify me. Work the ground. Have dominion over it. And if we do everything as Paul suggests there in Colossians 3.17, then we take dominion by doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Each one of us is going to have different struggles when it comes to work. Some of you will struggle with laziness when it comes to work. Some of you will be workaholics and work yourselves to death. And God is saying, slow down. Keep things in perspective. View work as a means to glorify me instead of yourself. If we approach work in a Christ-centered way, then we're going to find ourselves finding joy and life in our work. We're not going to look at it as this thing to dread. Now, it doesn't mean that you'll never be disappointed in your job, disappointed in your bosses, your coworkers. but what it does mean is that the work that you are doing will be meaningful. It's going to bring glory to God. And things tend to go much better for us when we work in these ways because God gives us work to honor Him. So we're going to spend a little bit more time talking about that in our small group. So let me pray for us. Then we'll break. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for this time that we can talk about work and uh, ask that you would please be with us. Help us to think about our own pitfalls, our own struggles when it comes to work. And help us to glorify you in everything that we do. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an ear out for more audio upcoming from WYM. 